All right, so here we go. So we're going we're gonna to re- review the first little paragraph after many introductions. Tanu Rabbanon. Tanu Rabbanon means the rabbis taught in a b'raisa. That means that we are quoting the Gemara that was written in the next era. Is quoting what was written or what was said by the Chachamim of the prior generation. You can ask a question that the rabbis of the Talmudic generation are called Amoiraim. The rabbis of the era of the Mishnah is called Tanoim. So Tanorabanan, the sages learned in a Tana, in a Braisa. And like we mentioned, there's Mishnayis, which was the most important. And then there was a lot of the oral Torah that for whatever reason was not explicitly recorded in the Mishnah, but they are recorded in many Braises. Okay, we're good? You had a question? I wanted to do- dedicate the learning Lilil Nishmet to Kodahudya, Bas, Hirsch, Yaakov. Okay. So, in contrast to the Mishnah that I spoke out last week, that the Mishnah says that a person should only pray in a feeling of reverence. Feeling of reverence is, 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 is a feeling that's very nice, but it's not a joyful feeling. Right? It's a rev- you have reverence. Reverence is what a person feels when they are standing in front of a great a king, a great tzaddik, standing in front of God. This b'raisa is emphasizing something else. That you should one should not rise to pray. And praying, he, he, see, he translates this very well. We're speaking specifically about the Shemona Esrei. Neither amidst the state of sorrow, nor amidst slothfulness, which means laziness, nor amidst laughter, and we'll define laughter in a moment, nor amidst ridiculous chatter, meaningless chatter, nor amidst lightheadedness, nor amidst idle words, so many knots, so zog, yeah, what, yeah? But rather amiss the joy associated with the mitzvah. <laughs> so look at the bottom in footnote 15, which means, you see footnote 15? Yeah. God gave us two hands to keep one hand on the top and one hand on the bottom. <laughs> That's the only reason. So keep your finger on the top, not to lose the place, and now go to footnote 15. My Rebbe taught me this, Gemara Rashi, similar. You have two hands, one to keep your finger in the Gemara, the other to keep the finger in Ash. Okay. So just prior to praying, one should perform a mitzvah, such as studying Torah, for this brings joy to the heart. And you see he's quoting Toisvis, which is the commentator from the generation of Rashi's grandchildren inside the proper original print of the Gemara. This is where Toisvis would be. This is where Rashi is, always inside of the page. Toysvus is on the outside of the page. We spoke about them last week. This is a compilation of many rabbis of the era, of Rashi's children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Many of them were his relatives. Right, so he's just quoting. Now I, got, now I have to find my place, my page. Um, and then he says, this is brought down. I want you to learn how to read the bottom. You see, see Toysvus, you're following me? Mm-hmm. And he's giving you the way to find the Toysvus. So, Dalit Hay, 
See the Dalit Hay? It's called Divra. You have it, Yafa? 15. Oh, it says. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dalit stands for Divrei Hamaschel. Let me show this for you. Divrei Hamaschel, your sons will grow up. You got to know what this means. Here. Okay. So he's quoting a Toysvis. This is the page. We're up to 30. Lamad Aleph. Right? So if he's quoting a Toysvis, okay, so it's one of these. Which one is it? The one, Divrei Hamaschil, Hamatchil, the one that begins with the word Hamaschil, Rabbanon. You see that in the bottom? Divrei Hamaschil, Rabbanon. So now you look inside the Gemara. You see this one begins with the words Rabbanon. This is the only one that begins with the word Rabbanon. So we're showing you how to find it in here. You don't have to look it up. You can look over here, yes. You want to look over there, same, same thing. Yeah, okay. No, 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 no it's see, not crazy. You no, just get so used cool. to it. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's re- a reference. Okay. He's referencing it. Okay. Now, this, this is a very good footnote. Okay. All, tour? Okay, tour. Who knows what the tour is? I don't mind spending a long time just giving the background. Or the Torah? Oh, it's like this. The tour, Rebbe, we spoke about Rebbe, the Mishnayis. The next error wrote the Gemara. Gemara of Yerushalayim, called Talmud Yerushalmi, Talmud Bavli, we're learning Talmud that was compiled in Babel. Then came an era of commentators of the Talmud. I got one here for Shoshana. Here we go, let's pass this down over here. And we got one for her sister, perfect. Okay. Um, came a point in history around 600 years ago, maybe 650 years ago, where people felt there was so much written on the Talmud, you can say the more the better, no, the more the more confusing. What do I do? How do I keep the law? So how ironic, when the Mishnah was written, the Mishnah was what we call the Shulchan Aruch. People opened up the Mishnah. Even though the Mishnah brings 80 opinions, people knew how to decipher from the Mishnah. People began learning, there was no distractions. Our kids, when they were 10, they knew the whole Mishnah is by heart. But when you say people, you mean the rabbis of that generation. I mean you to say mean that the masses of the people that, that, that understand something. Until today, you go to any real Haredi community. I'm not speaking about, sadly, the last, let's say, 20 or 30 years. There has been a terrible downgrade. When I went to, Yish, to my cheder in Brazil, it was common that kids that are very young, 10 years old, they knew tremendous amount of Mishnahis by heart. You have no idea. Here, thank God, the Cheder, the Rebbe very much wanted children to learn Mishnahis by heart, to have Mishnahis by heart competitions. Here in Los Angeles, you have, we had a couple of kids, pre-bar mitzvah, that knew the whole Mishnahis by heart. But that was an exception. It was the norm. I'm just saying, people then, today you have internet to Google to find out. People use their minds. So you had the whole memory in your head. But then you needed to remember the whole Gemara in your head. And as the time went on, it became more and more challenging. So came along a Jew by the name of Rabbi Yaakov, ben, Rabbi Yaakov, I forgot his father's name, and he decided to reorganize all of the oral Torah into four categories. One he called the Oirach Chaim, which means the way of life. In it, you have the day cycle, the weekly cycle. It means all of the laws about waking up in the morning and davening and eating and uh, then Shabbos, Yom Tev, anything that's connected to the cycle of life goes into Oyrachayim. Then he made another category of all of the laws that have to do with permitted and prohibited foods. Big part of Yiddishkeit is food. He called that Yoyra Deya. 
This is a guide of knowledge. Yoyda Deya. When people learn smicha now, they learn primarily Yoyda Deya. Then he made a third category, laws just about relationships between men and women. It's a quarter of the Torah. It's called Evan Ho'ezer. And then he made a fourth category of all of the financial laws, called Choshen Mishpat. He was the <laughs> rabbi that recategorized all of the Torah into four orders. He called each order a portal. Tur. Tur means, I don't know if this is modern Hebrew, Tur now would mean a big gate. So he made it into four portals. Now this is a tremendous type of work, to, to gather everything that is, and to not write that 90 opinions, to write the halacha, even though he didn't write one halacha. And, and every halacha he wrote four opinions. But that's, a, that's huge, from 80 to four. And I'm not exaggerating. His name was Rabbi Yaakov, and, they, and he called his books, he called it the four portals, Arba Aturim, in singular tur. Now from then until today, all of Jewish halacha is formulated on his order. The Shulchan Aruch that was written 200 years later is also written on these four portals. And he made chapters called the Simen. He titled the chapters. The Shulchan Aruch now has the same titles, mm-hmm. even though the content changed. Every few hundred years, we again, there was more commentators, more commentators, more, it got too confusing, so someone came ahead and again he made a synopsis. Or he ruled out many of the opinions, trying to make it easier. Never easy, just easier. So 200 years after the Turim, came along Rabbi Yosef Karo, and he wrote the Shulchan Aruch. Came a few hundred years later, the Al-Tareb again wrote the Shulchan Aruch. But it's all based on these four portals. The originator of that is the Tur. So what's very important when you learn the Gemara is that to know which parts of the Gemara are brought down on Shulchan Aruch and which parts of the Gemara are not brought down on Shulchan Aruch. That's huge. Not, be- not because if it's not on Shulchan Aruch, I don't care. No, it's part of Torah. But you want to know because you, you, when you learn Gemara, you learn so many things. And you can never say, ah, I learned in the Gemara that you have to do this or you can't do that. You don't know whether this became Jewish law or not. So came along a Jew, these were geniuses. I want you to go back in your booklet for a second. Go to any page, or go to Daflamad Aleph, right, in such a page. <coughs> this is the original Gemara. So look, look at the top left, if you're looking at Daflamad Aleph. You see the commentator on the top called Ein Mishpat Ner Mitzvah. Mm-hmm. You see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shoshana, you with me over here? Where are you? Open up, any, open up to any... Okay. Okay. So you see these little letters? Yeah. You see it says Gimel, Aleph, Dalet, Bey. See these little letters? Now, look inside the Gemara and see if you can find such a letter. Is it Gimel Every letter will be in here. It's hard to find it. Okay, let's say Gimel, Benos, Yisrael. Let me take a look. You need to look at that. I was going to say. One second. You said, yeah, Benos, Very good, very good, very good. Benos, Benoist Yisrael is probably like 20, down, 20 lines down from the top of the page. That's just an example. That's where is she that found the Gemara. Benoist Yisrael is yeah, a law about uh, something that women undertook upon oh, themselves. This in here is where you find the letters. Any, anywhere. It can go, it can, the letters can be inside the main text. The letters can be inside Rashi. The letters can be inside Toysavis. Mm-hmm. See the Gemma? Right here. 
Do people use magnifying glasses? You're looking at the wrong page. No, no, no. People end up hurting their eyesight like myself. Oh, you end up, you end up yeah. losing your vision. The nose, the other eye have like a the book this down. size. Even my book that size, it's very small letters. You end up, oh. it ends up, it ends up uh, listen, you see what you want to see. People that are bookworms, so they can't see far. Okay, so the nose goes a lot, so you can see close. So that's the Torah on the side? No, 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 no. This is what he did. This, I want to read, I want, I want to go to you, see the gimel? Yeah, the Gimel Aleph, I want to read it, I want to read it inside here. Okay. You know, Lewis, whenever the Talmud brings something down, do, do, you see, do you see what's going on over here? Let me read this for you. This is something that our son should be taught, and you have maybe, if the schools don't do it, you'll do it. Tur v'shulchan This is brought down, the test is for the Tur, and then, and in the Shulchan Aruch. In where... Aleph Ches, Oyd Achaim, Oyd Achaim is the first portal. Simon, that's the chapter. Tov Kuf Samach, that's 560. And then the sub, the sub note, Seif Hey. So what happens when I see this? I know that this is brought down in what I'm really looking for is not even the Tur. I'm looking for the Shulchan Aruch. If this is brought down on Shulchan Aruch, it doesn't mean that this is the only opinion. It could be that in the Shulchan Aruch he's going to bring down another statement that said 500 pages later that contradicts this. He might bring down two opinions. But the very fact that this is brought down, this gives this statement halachic significance. But not that much of the page is brought down. So if someone wants to open up the Shulchan Aruch at page 500, they will It's find a simon. That's where you would find this. That's what you actually should do. But which Shulchan Aruch? So there's the Tur. Yeah. Which is one set of books. That's what this is referring to the tour. The test is the tour and the Shulchan Aruch. I want to go down to the next one. You see Dalit? Yeah. See Mem Yud Yud? Uh-huh. Mem Yud Yud stands for Maimonides. The, Ma- the Maimonides, the Rambam. Uh-huh. So the Rambam also wrote a book of Jewish law, but we don't follow his book as authoritative law. But still, anything that's brought down in the Rambam, he writes Maimonides, and then he tells you where to pay the Dalit from the laws of Tvila, Halacha, Yudches. There's another book of Jewish law called the Smag, Samach, Mem Gimel. That's the name of a book. And here it's in the Positive Commandment 18. And here again, Tor V'Shulchan Aruch. It's very good. So this is just a... a <coughs> now imagine the Jew that wrote this. Let me just tell you what, what he had in his brain. One person. He had the whole Tor, the whole Shulchan Aruch, the whole Ramam, the whole Smag. It is, it is mind, mind-boggling what he had in his mind. And when he read the Gemara, so for, for us, he, it to he says, listen, you want, this is where you find this, this is where you find that. And the rest, you don't find anywhere, he doesn't bring it down. So I don't know his name. So I, you, you, you might, I might find his name in the beginning of the book. Let's see if we have his name in the beginning of the book. Who wrote the A Mishpat? Oh, 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 yeah, oh, oh, very good, Shoshana. For this, for this, no one has to be given the authority because if he, if he would have made one mistake, you know when the guy in the base Knesset and he reads the Torah and he makes a mistake, so the meaning is everyone stones him to death. Here, we get a lot more protective. That means that this guy was unparalleled. No one was able to do this as one Jew. See, today you have computers. Maybe the computer can do it. Imagine a Yid that opens up a Gemara that knows in, in the tip of his mind everything and if it's not in the deepest mind, he looked it further. Exactly, he looked further, but he managed to do it. And if, and if he would have made a mistake, it would have been corrected. Mm. Oh, believe you me, it would have been corrected. Mm. Now, you have such Jews today, but they're very rare. You have Jews today that know everything. 
and, and it's very impressive, not because of their brains, is because even if you have a great brain, you only really know it all if you learn for 18 hours a day for 90 years. Mm-hmm. A hundred year old knows everything. So you're giving covered not just for the knowledge, that also you're giving covered for the type of lifestyle that such a yid would live. Yeah. No one is able to master this. this. It's so vast that you have no idea. Thank you. So, so coming back now to the art school, to the English, so he, he quotes, it's beautiful, he quotes where, like when the, look at how it works. The Brisa says, daven from joy. Now what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Does it mean I have to get myself into meditate on something joyful? Mm-hmm. So he quotes from the Toys, which we're back in footnote 15. It's not about meditating. It's not about putting yourself by yourself into a joyful mindset. It is about either learning Torah. Obviously, it has to be a type of learning that is uplifting. Not the kid in school that doesn't want to be there. Well, that's why we learn for citizens. Whatever it is, whatever Torah. Any type of Torah, it's, it's about, it's, we call this occupational therapy. It's about doing <laughs> something that makes you joyful. And the options here are, is Torah, right? Such a studying Torah, for this brings joy to the heart. This he's quoting from Torah. And it's brought down in the tour. Oira Chaim Simen 93. Then he brings zestful joy as opposed to sadness and laziness, is conducive to proper concentration during prayer. And he quotes the Rabbeinu Yoyna. The Rabbeinu Yoyna is from the same era of Rashi and Toysavis. His comments are not written on the Talmud page, but his comments were written in the back of the Talmud. And he writes something Gavaldic. He's saying that, you have to appreciate what he's saying. Why do you have to pray? Everyone has a booklet, but I'm missing a few booklets. I have to buy a few more booklets. I'll buy a few more booklets. No, it's good to have the book. Why does the Braises say that you should only pray when you are in a state of simcha shal mitzvah? Why? When you're in a good mood, you're praying. Joy of a mitzvah. And joy of a mitzvah means joy. You can, you can be in joy without doing a mitzvah. Simcha shal mitzvah means, Taisvah says, the joy that you experience right after doing a mitzvah. So the options are learning Torah. There's another option. I don't know if he brings it to the bottom. Maybe he brings it later. Is giving tzedakah. We're speaking about people that experience joy, even a coin in the pushka. You joy t- breaks all barriers. Jo- joy breaks all barriers. So, so you want... Barrier to, 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 to oh, well. Very good. So you see? Now, now you're thinking. In other words, why do you have to have joy? When people hear this, they don't think. They say, yeah, why not? Isn't it better to be joyful than not? Yes. But I'm still asking, why do you have to be in a state of simcha shal mitzvah before praying in order to... Why? So the Rabbeinu Yoyna, see, see, we're very, he says, this is the reason. It's concentration, saying something very deep. Concentration is something very difficult. Concentration is something very difficult. To concentrate for 30 seconds, a little bit difficult. To concentrate for the whole Shemana Esrei is very difficult. Right, so if nothing else on your mind, nothing's bothering you, you can concentrate. No, 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 I don't think it's that. You have to know. I, I push to think that whenever a person is about to do something extremely difficult, the chances of failing and success have everything to do with whether before you began your job, your mission, which is difficult, you are either, if you are joyful, you're going to have a lot of power. If the person is going to be emotionally beaten up, they're weak. It says even with your food, when you're cooking and you're in a good mood, yeah. your food tastes better. So, Amazing. No, but I think, Pashit, concentration 
demands inner power, not to lift 100 pounds, not to run for a marathon. It's a different type of power. You need power to be concentrated. And the, 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 the greatest empowerment that we get is from the emotion of joy. That's why, that's why, for example, Simcha Poyed together. Why is it that when you are in a state of joy, you break down barriers? Because you have power, you have energy. Mm-hmm. When you're not in the state of joy, you don't have the koyach to break down a barrier. It's too much, it's too much. Sometimes when something is too much, what you need to do is take it to take away the burden. Sometimes life doesn't give you that option, and sometimes that maybe is not the best idea. Sometimes if you feel something is too much, you gotta get, you have to be, you're lacking in joy. It's not that the outside world is overwhelming, it's that the inner person is weak. And there is something unique about the joy that we experience from doing a mitzvah. We're not minimizing joys from having a good chocolate cake. What oichet something, but there, when the joy of a mitzvah, even though it's subtle, is is the most powerful joy. And this is the opposite of laziness. Very good. That's what he's writing. The opposite of sadness and the opposite of laziness. So do you think that the simcha is actually like the life force you're getting from Hashem's strength that's giving you energy? Could be. It could be. I I would, I would say very good. So the Hasidah speaks a lot about this. So you have like externally, you know, anything that is difficult to do, and we did it, we feel joy. Like. I did it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that goes to a mitzvah, but that doesn't have to be dafka mitzvah. That can be to anything. Go run up 500 stairs. You're going to feel like a million dollars. I did I it. That means the opposite. When I have a joy, everything is great. Whatever I do, like mitzvah or anything. Now the question is, how do you get yourself in that? How do you get to the joy? So that's what the Rabbeinu Yoyna says. Do a mitzvah. Now, obviously, it, it has to be real to you. That means that if, for me, that mitzvah is so difficult. If I have to do it, I'll do it. But I don't feel joy. Don't do that mitzvah before you daven. But he's speaking to people that learning Torah, wow, you're going to be filled with joy. And, and, and if it didn't make you filled with joy, then learn more. Learn for two hours. And then go feel the joy. Like, what, whatever works. You know, it has to work. But he's speaking... If you don't feel the joy by learning Torah yet, then find another mitzvah. But why from a mitzvah? You're saying, right, because, because then that joy is coming from God. These are subtle things. These are very spiritual things. It doesn't mean that I'll experience the uniqueness of that joy. But since I'm tapped into that joy, I will have power to concentrate more during that. Um, joy and energy, are, are these like Interchangeable. I see them as interchangeable. The whole theme of the Tanya, chapter 26, 27, 20, is all about joy equals energy, energy equals joy. That type of joy. Many people hear the word joy, they have a different image. Right, right, right. Speaking about joy in the context of our inner yeah. feeling of tremendous, not just more than empowerment, like, like bliss, yeah. like light. When you have that feeling... Davening is very difficult in the context of have kavana. Concentrate when you say the Shmona Asri. You got to get yourself into the zone. We actually, over the years, we added a lot in the prayer that's already in the Siddur that wasn't there many years ago in order to get into the right zone to daven. You got that? Which means, um, parenthetically, we spoke about this when we learned the laws of Tila, that if a person, being practical, they know I don't have the time to say the whole Siddur. It's not a sum zero game. 
Davening Everything is there is to help you say it better. But saying it is better than not saying it. Always. Okay. So that's, we'll, we'll leave the footnote 15 and we'll go back inside. inside. Now, now that we mentioned the, the, the advantage of doing something mitoich simcha shal mitzvah, now we're continuing to quote from the b'raisa. The b'raisa continues with a parallel halacha. V'chein, likewise, lo yipater adam a man should not take leave of his friend. This is written in the masculine, but the same thing is when a woman is saying goodbye to her friend. So what's the last thing? Did you, did you realize what you did before you said goodbye? In Brazil, there's a minute that someone is going away, you take them to the airport. I going to the airport takes sure an hour, two hours, make sure that they're going away. My father would say that when you bury a person, everyone is there to make sure that they're talking buried. That was his very unhealthy sense of humor. But no, Michelle, you guess your family, the mother-in-law comes, you take them to the airport, you stand by the gate. So, oh, right? It's like, it's so true, this. Like, Michelle going to take a taxi. I'll, no, you have to take me. They get insulted if you don't take them to the airport. But what are you doing in the car? Say goodbye. Yeah. So, so how do you say goodbye? By saying goodbye. You hug, you <coughs> What's the purpose of all that? Just that you never know if they're gonna come back. Oh. <laughs> 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 like, think, about. If you just take one step back and analyze yourself, like, what's this business of saying goodbye? Why? You don't know if you're gonna see them again. Uh, that's what I said. That's 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 so dark. That's so dark. Yeah. Oh, we don't say goodbye? Say fairly well. It's some sort of comfort. Like, it's kind of comfort to what? That they're going or that? No, you know those no. are the last I'm talking about to like, when you have a friend. Okay. Family, just kind of like, I don't know, just something like support. But there is like a. Be there for them. As there's, there's like, to like, the door. Like what you're saying, it's like just something. You don't slam the door on someone, right? It's a way of. Right. Let's read a couple of lines. We'll get to something. So when you when you are in the mode of saying goodbye to them, you don't say goodbye right after having a chatter with them. If right before you said the final goodbye, if you if you chattered with them, that was a mistake. Nor amongst laughter. Oh, we had a good laugh and we said goodbye. No. Now you have to learn how to turn the page over here. Right, we're turning the page. Nor among, nor amidst lightheadedness. Oh, here I see. So it's the inside column of thirty-one eight. This is ju- this is just to show you how confusing everything okay. is. Okay, one second. Turn the page. Yeah. Where it is. Oh, very good. The inside column. Got it. Okay, thanks. Okay, you got you got it over here. Dali, you're good. Mm-hmm. Okay, and not not a mix idle words. But rather a missed discussion of a matter of halacha. Here, the word halacha doesn't mean a halacha halacha. It means a toida matter that is uplifting. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the ideal goodbye is by doing something with your friend, which will, which will transport you and your friend and connect you to something that's above time. And on that level, you taken never say goodbye. So just like there is a power of Torah, that's what we learned, read the footnote, or a mitzvah, 
it's not just I accomplish something difficult, but you, we, we connect to God, and that fills us up with a certain level of power, which is joy. When you share a meaningful, uplifting Torah statement, Torah is Mamash God. God is above time. So when you connect around what? What connects people? People connect around something. You have to have something in common. So if the something in common is a Dvar Halacha, you, then, then, you stay, then you, stay, you stay connected. So it's more of a see you later. It's more of you. We're never, we're never even leaving. And the Gemara is going to make a very powerful statement that if you get into the habit before you say goodbye to whoever by sharing a Dvar Torah, sharing something, I don't want to word it that way. If it's wording it that it sounds like, oh, you're so charedi, word it in a way that it sounds hip and cool, that, it's, that you, you share up a word of Torah, you will never forget that Dvar Torah. And not only that, every time you'll see that person, it's two ways. Whenever you learn the Torah, ooh, you'll remember your friend. Whenever you'll see your friend, you'll remember the Torah. It's, it's a sgula for, for, for a nut, for a bond. And with each friend is a different Vartora, which each person it's the same Vartora? I, I would say each one a different Vartora. So you need to have in mind different Vartoras when you It just means, it means it, we all have already, we share something not only meaningful, not only let's have a meaningful drive to the airport, how do you feel? I'm not minimizing that, good. Meaningful meaning, sharing that Vartaito. Okay, give me an example. I don't know, the Parsha of the week, and you just read something nice, you read something uplifting, the Omar is going to give a great example. Smell yum yum. Yum yum. But this is obviously for a long, like a trip that someone's going in on. So you know yeah, correct. If someone's leaving your house that they live down the block. Correct. You know. Correct. Okay. Unless you want to become real, that yeah. real religious nudnik, they'll never come as you again. That's another it's a school. If you don't want them to come back, yeah, right. every time yeah. they leave, well, I got a Dvar Torah for you. That's a it. People will walk the other way. Yeah. And do you want it that way? Depends if you want to get rid of someone. My father used to say, if you want to get rid of someone, lend them money. That was his thing. Uh, you want to get rid of someone, lend them money. You'll never see them again. What do you mean? Oh, lend it. So they won't call you because they owe you money. They're just Jewish humor. Okay, they'll say that. Okay. So, Elamata and Shekane. Okay, Shekane, what's seen in the Vimari Shine? And we find in the earlier prophets. And, and, and in the footnote 17, he's great. He particularly, at 18, he brings down a prophet called Hoshea. That if you read that book, the whole book is words of admonition. Musa. Yeah. yeah. But you know how he ends? He ends uplifting. Once he learned that when you end something, and it's not just uplifting, it's uplifting, Torah uplifting words. Shesimu divireyem, that they concluded their words, the divrei shevach, the sanchumen. With words of praise, with words of consolation, but we're not taking. Don't take this out of the Torah context. In other words, an, a, a a certain Torah thought that has it that is very uplifting. And I'll give you an example. I want to, and it's a story. The Gemara is very good in relating stories. A story is to give you an example of what. How do you apply this? And we're going to have actually two stories together, and and one story has a meaning, and the other story has even a more important one. The chain. Let's go to this. Tana Mari Bar Bereide Rafuna. Mari, you see the next paragraph? Yeah. Mari is the name of a person. Mari was the son of the son of Rafuna. Just to get, get used to the Gemara. Like, why don't we quote his father? I don't know. But I'm saying that, look how we, we refer to people. The son We're of the. We're purposefully showing you that we're not quoting his son. We're not, we're not honoring his son. Mm-hmm. son. His son got into trouble or something. Mm-hmm. 
So that's it. Ben, the son of, son of the son of Rafuna, the son of Rabbi Yirmabar Abba, right? No, it's Rafuna is the son of Rabbi Yirmabar Abba. That this money, oh, this money, Torah Braisa, same, same comment, Al Yipater Adam Echaveroi, a person should not take leave of his friend except amid a discussion of a matter of for by doing this he will remember him you will never forget him if you remember if you learned Chumash Rashi that when Yaakov Avinu sent Yosef Atzadik to go look at go look after your brothers whether they're doing good over there in Shechem and when was the next time that Yaakov saw him? Uh, 22 years later 22 years later, before, even there, that's a, you, even, he, was, he thought he was coming back the next day. He sent them on a trip, and they were speaking about laws known as the Egla Arufa, without getting into it. Egla Arufa. 22 years later, when Yosef sent a message to his father, he sent Agalot, he sent something that reminded, he was showing his father, I remember the last thing we learned together. And when it says in the Chumash that when Yaakov Avinu found out that his son Yosef is living, so it says, ruach Yaakov, that the spirit of Yaakov became realivened, not only because he was biologically alive, he became realivened because he saw that his son Yosef is still remembering the last thing they learned together. Imagine that. Imagine you say goodbye to someone, you don't even know for how long. Tragedy happens, you meet them 22 years later, and one of the parties remembers the last trade we learned together. It's a very deep bond that. You know, the bond between, between a, a student and a teacher about people that learn Torah together is very powerful because Torah is above time. It's a bond that cannot be broken with time. Ah. And now comes the story. Kiha. That Rav Kahano, Al Rafshimi Barashi, Rav Kahano escorted Rafshimi Barashi from the city known as Pum Nahara till the city called Bay. Tzinisa in Babel. So here alone you have, like, parenthetically, a tremendous lesson. Halachically, it's important for one to escort a guest out of their house, but really all you need to do is walk outside. Take a couple of steps with them. It's called Levoya. You know that mitzvah? Mm -hmm. It's part of Achnos HaSarchim. If someone comes into your Three steps, four steps, uh, four amas. We learned this from so many people, beginning with Avraham Avinu. This is a very, this is the Jewish etiquette. In other words, a side of having people well received. When someone is in your house, as well and as as good as they feel, you're the balabayit. Even if you tell them that it's my house, it's your house, and they feel at home, still you're the owner and they're the guest. On the street, we're equals. So to make them feel that we mamish look at them as an equal, you walk out with the person on the street. Now, you only have to take a few steps. But like any other mitzvah, if you want to go beyond the letter of the law, you can walk them down the block. And here, Rav Kahana walked with Rav Shimi from one village to the other. And he must have regarded Rav Shimi in very high regard. So he mamish, like someone comes to, to, to your house, and, you, and when they go, you walk them back to their house. Like, it's like that. <laughs> and then they have to walk you back to your house. Like, but not if you don't go inside, right? Kimat when he arrived there, so he walked with him, and now they're saying goodbye. So Amalei, so he tells Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana, which was the one that was accompanying Rav Shimi, 
He says, Mar, Mar means master, Vadai do Amri Inchi. Is it true what people say that Hanait Sinisa the bubble, that these Babylonian palm trees that were that was in the place of Beit Sinisa in this location, they were very old palm trees. Is it true that people are saying that they have existed from the days of Adam Arishan until now? They look ancient. They asked him a question. So Omar Leir, Abshimi responded, Ah, I, I'm happy that you, that you asked me that question. At Karton, we're going to the top of the next column. Mm-hmm. You get used to Aramaic, Aramish. At Karton, Milsa, you reminded me something, a statement that Rabbi Yesi Barab Hanina told me. The Omar Rabbi Yesi Barab Hanina. Rabbi Yesi Barab Hanina said, My dechsev, and hey, we're quoting a verse in Yirmi Yohu. And listen to the verse. It says, Be'eretz, in a land, Asher lo'yavar ba'ish, through which no person passed, v'layashav adam sham, nor has any man settled. Now let me ask you something. If there is a piece of land that no person even passed through, isn't it superfluous to say that no man settled there? How can a person settle in a place? Then a pastor, almost all of Nevi'im are written like this. It's like poetic writing. But the Talmud never accepts poetic writing. It means even though that externally, that's the way people speak poetically. We, no, every word has to be precise. So there's another meaning to this verse. If no one passed through the land, that's the question, is, hey, how can someone even settle there for you to have to say no one settled there? Ella explained Rabbi Yesi Barab Hanino. This is to teach you that kol eret shegazar aleha adam harishin liyishuv, that every land in the world that Adam, this goes to Adam Arishan. If he decided or he decreed that this should be a place where people should settle, Nesyashva, ultimately people settled there. Mm-hmm. Meaning throughout the entire human history. Mm-hmm. And any land that Adam Arishan decided no one should settle here, no one will ever settle there. And in greater details, th- that this city, this village of Beit Sinisa had a lot of palm trees. People that were saying that these palm trees were planted by Adam or they came from the time of Adam. So he says, no, they didn't mean that. What they meant was is that Adam Arishan decided that in this location, it should be a place of palm trees. Mm-hmm. Once he didn't just decide whether you should live there or not. He decided what should be in this place. Where should be the city? Where should be outside the city? He did it for the whole world. He did it for the whole world and for so, all history. Kind of, kind of crazy. So let's say in America. In America. He... Adam Arishan decided for the entire world... If this should be a place for people to settle, or this should be a place for people to do agriculture, this should be a place that should be devastation, this should be a place that should be filled with palm trees. Before he was kicked out of Gan Eden? Or? Probably before he was kicked out of Gan Eden. Because this koyach, mm-hmm. to look at the whole world, and to predetermine he did that because he knew which part of the world is conducive for what. Wow. Because it wasn't stam, it wasn't random. So he he had such a deep wisdom, you know, this is a place, that this is a good place for palm trees. So did he actually travel the place, or it was just more in his So mind? like this, these are good questions. The Medrash says, you have to know how to mean it, that Adam and Chava were giants, like giants, so giant that it sounds like if they would lay down, they would just, their bed would be the whole world, and how would that work? Oh, okay, so then it was easier, I guess. You know, was, they, uh, like they were huge, they were, they, they were uh, all the way, how did they breathe, like they were, they were giants. Uh-huh. They got around. And just off topic, the kids were giants? No. I don't care. I don't think that it means that we're physically giants. That means that they were, in my understanding, it means that they were on such a high spiritual level that they were able to see what's happening in the whole world. 
I know that in Brazil, all of these crazy Kishov stories, a lot of Kishov there, is that there was a big Kishov woman that she dreamt that the Rebbe came to her, and in her dream, the Rebbe was a giant. And that, that and the Rebbe told her to stop doing certain things to a certain Yidin. And the story came out on the Beit Chabad over there. This is in the 80s. And she wasn't a Jewish woman. She wasn't a Jewish woman. And when that. she saw a picture of the Rebbe, she couldn't believe how short the Rebbe is. Because the Ruchmi is the Rebbe was the biggest giant. Begashmi is the Rebbe was small. It's not a contradiction. So when you see when you see the Emes, things look different. And what was she doing? Something not kosher to a Yid with Kishuv. And the Rebbe came and told her to stop. Kishuv is black magic. Oh, so one second. Wait, but she met the Rebbe before? No, she never met the Rebbe before. In her dream. Oh my God. Okay, but coming back over here. <laughs> coming back over here, this is an example of their saying goodbye. He, he didn't, the guy who asked the question didn't ask a Torah question. He says, is it true? People here are saying that these trees are here from the times of Adam. But he responded to him a Torah that he learned. This is already con. This is part of Torah. Torah means that God told this to us, that Adam Arishan was the one that determined what should be where. It means he's telling him these palm trees are not uh, uh, 3,000 years old then. But since Adam decided that the palm tree should be there, that's why people are saying that he planted them. Because he was the one, that's what it means. He was the one that determined that this place should be filled with palm trees. And since you, and that was the goodbye. And then they said goodbye, they embraced. But the, the last thing that he shared with him was Advar Torah. Now, another story, this is very important, how to learn Gemara. Next story, Rav Mordechai. Alviyeh, he accompanied Rav Shimi Barashi from the city of Hagronia to the city of Beikipi. Or other people say that he accompanied from the city of Agronia to the city of Beidura. And, what does it say? 22. It says nothing. <laughs> Are you saying that's it? So what's the story? So what's the story? No, it's for we sell it. First of all, when you before before you daven, that's what we begin. Before you daven, you have to have simchas shal mitzvah. How do you have simchas shal mitzvah? Learn Torah. And then we went from here. Likewise, when you say goodbye to your fellow, say goodbye, say share an uplifting Torah thought, and then we bring another brayse. And when you do that, you'll remember him. You'll remember that person, and that person will remember you. That's a school and never to forget that person. And for them never to forget you. And you won't forget the Devar Torah. Everything, one is bound to the other. And then we have a story. That this guy walked that guy and they shared the Devar Torah. Shimi was the one who shared it. Then the Gemara tells you a story how someone else accompanied Rabshimi. Nothing. nothing. Which means you're not obligated to share the Devar Torah. And be that nudnik. <laughs> because then Rabshimi, when, when the other guy walked him, also would have shared something with him. If the opportunity comes up, then you share Dvar Torah. Awesome. Don't be um, a nudnik. <laughs> that's, that's what the Gemara is saying. That's the way the Gemara talks. See, it doesn't say that clearly. So look in footnote 22. See, he already learns this in. Why does the Gemara relate the story? You see footnote 22? Mm-hmm. It does not illustrate the preceding rule. As no discussion of Allah is quoted at all. So the Me'iri, the Me'iri is a commentator. We spoke about this that we found a recent. The Me'iri, that no one, no one had access to his writings 50 years ago. Or 60 years ago. These are one of the many books that were written in the time of Rashi that we only got hold of now. So this is the Oxford style? I don't know if it's from there. I don't know exactly the history. You can Google where we found it. It's relatively no. The Me'iri concludes from the lack of a dialogue in the second story that the Gemara's intent is to subtly teach us that there is no special mitzvah 
right, nor even an insistence on the part of the rabbis that one converse and trade upon the parting. Rather, if the opportunity presents itself as was in the first story, then it's proper and becoming to do so. In Nab Mardechai and Nab Shimi's case, the opportunity did not present itself. So they, in fact, did not part company with a Torah thought. Indeed, the Gemara could have stated this openly. The Gemara could have said, and he did not share a Torah thought, but that would, that would not be nice, right? What are you going to say that he didn't? How, how nice is it to write that he didn't share a Dvar Torah? We don't, the Gemara doesn't want to criticize him. The Gemara is trying to teach us that you're not mukhoif to do so. So, 60 years ago, before the Me'iri came Whenever out, the number was, yeah. Then what did people assume that was? I would, I would think that many people saw this. A good teacher uh-huh. would teach students, that's the way you learn Gemara. You, you tell me why. But then you don't know if it's correct or not. You don't know if it's correct or not. And then if it's authenticated, if you find it by these rabbis of that era, then you know, ah, you got it. And it's really nice when you learn and you come to a certain thought and then you see that that thought was already written 700 years ago or 1500 years ago. Also, maybe this is why Chavrusa started, that you got, you know. Always, Chavrusa, always, always, because to think, you need to have someone else to bounce ideas off. The person says, ah, you're speaking foolishness and whatever. There's a good debate over here going on. Okay. We're good. I'm a little bit in a rush. I'm going to stop over here. And then, listen, Chavra, I, I can go 20 years with this. So you guys tell me how long you want to do this. The, <laughs> learning Gemara. The Gemara that I chose, 